Hey guys, I'm Valerie. And I'm Jasmine, and this is Crafts, Drafts, and Crime. Welcome back to Season 12, and today we're going to be bringing you what is unfortunately a kind of short episode because the information for this case was very limited. But that being said, I also thought it was incredibly alarming, and it probably will be a new story for a lot of people, so we're going to do it anyways. The sources for this episode are The Cinemaholic, Essence, GoFundMe, New York Daily News, Daily News, ABC7 News, Jamaica Gleaner, amnewyork.com, Starbrook News, Pix11 News, justicefordesiree.com, Loop Jamaica, Change.org, Oxygen, OSAC.gov, and Forbes. And today we're going to be talking about Desiree Gibbon. Are you familiar with her name at all? I am not. Okay. So Desiree Gibbon went by Desi, and she was born in 1991. She had two siblings, Mariah and Chloe. As a young girl, Desiree appeared on Blue's Clues, and she also participated in beauty pageants. In fact, she competed in Miss Teen USA pageant. And in 2014, she competed in Miss New York pageant and also did an anti-smoke awareness tour with Truth, which are like, you know, those um, anti-smoking commercials that they do? Yes, the one. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's an array of commercials, but she actually was a part of you know that tour. So, oh, OK. Desiree was a model and it's very obvious why when you look at her, she is absolutely stunning. Actually, hold on. Jasmine, let me send you a picture of her real quick. Oh, wow. Wow, she's really pretty. She is just stunning. And so her aspiring to be a model and doing some modeling made perfect sense. But she actually had some other really incredible goals. She wanted to make documentaries. So when she first decided that she wanted to make films, she went to college at West Virginia University, and she obtained her degree in broadcast journalism. From there, she wanted to go to a European film school. And most importantly, she wanted to earn the money for the school by herself. She was very adamant that she did not want help from her parents. So Desiree's dad was from Jamaica, and her grandmother and her cousins actually lived there. So she, she thought it would be a good opportunity to go to Jamaica for a little while and earn some money bartending and then save up that money to go to school. So she got a visa to work and she had a three month stay on her passport. She had been to Jamaica twice before and she was staying or I guess you could say living in a hotel that her grandmother owned. And that was in the area of Montego Bay, Jamaica. So on October 20th, 2017, she left, her homes in she left her home in Queens, New York, and headed to the area of Montego Bay. Now I'm curious, Jasmine, do you have any preconceived notions of traveling in Jamaica? Um, so Montego Bay, that sounds very familiar, and it's going to be real done what I'm about to say next, but bear with me. That was on that show, Manifest. That's where they went. And then they were on the plane back to the United States. And then somewhere in the, you know, airplane trip, like 10 years had passed or something like that. That's like the only thing I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I have a great seen show. This. Okay. It's a great show, though. All my other manifest uh, friends will know this. But yeah. Um, okay. 
that's pretty much it. I've the only thing I've ever seen was like really touristy pictures where it looks beautiful. But yeah, that's about it. Okay, so you've seen like all the like resort type areas mm-hmm. then in that. Okay, perfect. So I had friends who I remember growing up who would go to Jamaica and I'm not sure where, but like on vacation with their families over the summer. So like that's the I've always thought of Jamaica as like a resort place. Mm-hmm. So I want to preface this the way that I'm going to preface all of these episodes by saying I don't think that it's I'm not trying to say that any place is particularly dangerous to travel to. What I am going to say is a little bit about the safety in Jamaica. So there are many violent gangs in Jamaica. In 2017, which is the year that Desiree moved there, Jamaica was listed as the third most dangerous place for women travelers by Forbes, only after Egypt and Morocco. The homicide rate was 56 per every 100,000, with a total of 1,647 murders that year. And that's just murder. That's not including shootings, assaults, sexual assaults, nonviolent crimes. That's just murder. Now, that number might seem a little bit small to some people who live in large nations, but I also want to remind you that Jamaica is a very small island. It is an island in the Caribbean, and it has almost 3 million people, which again, sounds like a lot, but there's more people than that clustered in just one city, in different cities in the U.S. So we're talking about that many people on an entire island, and I mean, that's a pretty high murder rate. And again, I just want to say that, you know, I'm not saying that Jamaica is, you know, necessarily a dangerous place to go and that you shouldn't visit. In fact, I wouldn't hesitate at all to go. If somebody asked me to go to Jamaica tomorrow, I would. But it does seem that there are some conflicting views of crime in Jamaica. It's kind of like, uh, sorry, it's kind of like any place that you would visit. Like, you know, like I know um, Antoine's been on a cruise before to Mexico. So, of course, you go to the touristy part. But if you turn like a couple streets where you're not supposed to, you're in what's known as a bad area. Or, like, the Dominican Republic. Like, do you remember, like, maybe, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe, there was, like, a whole, there was a couple tourists that, like, were killed or, like, murdered, essentially, in the Dominican Republic. And they were all on vacation. I do remember that. That happened in a resort area. Right. When things like that happen, people make a big deal out of it, as they should. But I think it's so much because a lot of times when a place is particularly violent, it's usually not against foreigners. A lot of times violent crime in a country is among people within the country. So to, and you know, that's why Jamaica being the third most dangerous place for women travelers is a very specific, terrifying statistic. That is very, very specific. That was in 2017, though. That's not true today. But the year that we're talking about, that was true. And I also want to make a point that there are conflicting dates in just about every single article that is available online about Desiree. So I'm going to go with the dates that are provided on the Justice for Desiree webpage, which also has conflicting information. If you check that out, you'll notice it shows three different dates for some of the main events. But... 
It has specific details about the events in the surrounding days. So those are the dates that I'm going to be citing in this episode. So if you notice something and something else that you're looking up, I promise I'm not making this shit up. I'm not making dates up. <laughs> so Desiree last spoke with her family and was last seen on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November the 23rd, 2017. She was going to be returning to New York the following Thursday to help a friend work on a record label. Now, on the 23rd, surveillance showed Desiree last alive at 11.27 p.m. She was inside of the hotel, and she had exited her room and entered the lobby at 11.22 before heading back to her room and re-emerging at 11.27. She was wearing casual clothes and told the security guard that she would be back soon. She didn't have a wallet or anything like that on her. Now, Desiree did have two phones. She had her U.S. phone and she had a local phone to make calls in Jamaica. When she left that evening, she only had her U.S. phone with her and that phone was never found. Now, the most consistent information that I found states that she was found on Sunday, which is four days before her travel plans back to the U.S., making it the 26th of November. It was 9.15 a.m., and a passerby saw her body on the side of the road in some bushes a few miles away from the hotel, which was located specifically in St. James. It was a deserted road, and it only had a vacant home on it. Desiree had defensive wounds, bruises on her wrist, torso, and legs. There were no signs of sexual assault, and she was believed to have been kneeling when her throat was cut, so deep that she was nearly decapitated. When she was found, she was covered in blood. There was one male DNA and one female DNA on her body. It didn't identify anybody, though. Police collected DNA from six persons of interest, though they did not specify who, and none of them were a match. The investigators only requested one day of Desiree's phone records and said that they weren't useful, and they got rid of them. And that's the day that she went missing. So her family was very critical of the investigation, saying they weren't following up on any leads, which was true. So two months after Desiree's murder, on January 28, 2018, her aunt, Peggy, got a call from Desiree's U.S. phone, the one that was with her when she died, and that was never found. It was 5.26 p.m. She answered, and there was no response on the other line. Can I just tell you, I would have never, I don't think I could have answered that. I I don't know how I would have reacted. That's terrifying. That is so scary. Like, you hear of these people who, like, you know, a loved one, like, something happens to them, and then they, like, text their phone number just, like, a few years later or something, and then all of a sudden they get a response back. Like, that's some scary shit. A few hours later, at 11.43 p.m., she got another call, but again, there was no response. Now, she tried calling it back, but it wouldn't ring, and she got the usual message that stated that the phone wasn't working. So prior to this, the phone was dead, but she received two inbound calls to a phone that when she dialed said it was not in service. That's so creepy. 
So Desiree's boyfriend, Phil Rodriguez, said she complained about issues with new friends she met in Jamaica, and he was living in, in the States. He said, quote, Some friends were responsible, law-abiding citizens with jobs, but she also made friends with what she called poor girls from the other side of town. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she made what she thought was friends, but they were actually plotting against her. And Desiree's mother, Andrea, also thinks that she was hurt by someone she trusted. She states that she doesn't think Desiree would venture out on her own. And she says she thinks she may have learned some information she wasn't supposed to know. But to this date, the person responsible for Desiree's murder has not been found. And there's no more information regarding it. Now, Andrea does have a GoFundMe for Desiree and so that she can get help paying for a private investigator for this case because the police in Jamaica have been less than helpful. And so I will go ahead and I will put that GoFundMe link in the show notes for everybody to go ahead and access if you're interested in contributing. But at this point in time, that's the end of Desiree's story. And she has not received any kind of justice for her murder, which appeared to be completely senseless. So thank you guys so much for listening. And you can find all of our information on our website at craftsdraftsandcrime.com. So until next time, bye. Bye.